Well, welcome to Live Church again. It's good to see you all out there again and good to be with you. A lot of things going on. We have Joseph Moore here and yay. And Joseph is telling us stories of his thumbs. We thought about inviting him up and having pictures, but we decided not to. Keep Joseph in your prayers as he recovers and get ready to go to school. And Gene McBride as well as he recovers. A lot of things going on this week. Next week, we're planning on having services at the church again. Of course, we're under a mask mandate, uh, all of Ohio at this point, and so uh, we are requiring masks. Now, this doesn't apply to children. You can look at the guidelines, and we're leaving that up to the parents of, of how they mask and want to mask their children. If you feel unsafe, we'd encourage you to still stay home and watch this by live stream, but we will be having services next week at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock, just as we were before we shut down the, the live services a couple weeks ago. Uh, Dr. Purdue will be sharing with us. He was scheduled for revival in the spring and we couldn't do it. And so we're excited to have Dr. Purdue here uh, next Sunday uh, for our services. It's also camp meeting week and district assembly. Of course, those things have been altered as well. They, they are having services over there, but, but I'm encouraging our people to participate in the Facebook live services. Uh, it, it's an unusual year in that typically you could not participate in district assembly unless you drove all the way to St. Mary's. Now you can participate simply by watching on Facebook live and the live stream. So we would encourage you uh, to participate with your district and see all the important things going on uh, denominationally. And uh, and we will be sending out a link to that. And so be watching for that. I, I do have a, a bit of um, sad news. I'm I'm sad to say that Pastor Bob has decided to begin serving at Urbana Nazarene. We all love Pastor Bob, hate to see him go, have great affection for him. We, we wish him the best and pray that God will bless him and his ministry there. I'd encourage you to reach out to Bob and just let him know how much you love him. Uh, send him a card, send him an email, send him a text. Uh, you, you can even make a telephone call, and I'm sure Pastor Bob would appreciate that. Uh, but keep him in your prayers and keep your church in your prayers. This is an unusual time, a time like no other, uh, but we believe God wants to move even in these extraordinary times. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we give you praise. We give you thanks. You are good. You are good all the time. And even in the midst of crisis, we can count on you. Uh, whatever we're going through, we don't go through it alone, but we go through it with your presence. And we pray even now, Lord, as we um, have one more live stream service only, uh, that you will be present uh, where people are watching this that there'll be a connection that goes deeper than a building. There's a connection through the Spirit. And so, Lord, I pray that you will move through this service in a powerful way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
you're shaking your head that you can't hear my guitar. This is good. We are just a church full of real people that have mistakes. <laughs> Can you hear it now? Okay, sorry about that, everyone. <laughs> All right, we're good.
you've taken hold of me. All my life is in your hands. You are my strength. You are my strength. I will look up, for there is none above you. I will bow down to tell you that I need you. Jesus, Lord of all. I will look back, I'll see where you've been faithful. scripture to read to you from Matthew. Um, I'll be honest, I usually I try to pick um, scripture that matches the song, if you know what I mean. I, I, I don't really necessarily see a correlation here, but this is what I feel led to share. And this is what was laid on my heart this morning. So I'm going to trust that this is a word that somebody needs to hear that's watching this. Again, this is from Matthew chapter 6. Verse 25, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. That is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire. Will he not much more clothe you, oh, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. And you guys, as I look over here in my Bible, something else is underlined that caught my eye. It's Jesus calming the storm, right? And he says, you have all faith. Why are you so afraid? It's because they were looking at the storm all around them worrying about their clothes and their food and the storm and, and all of the surroundings. When he says, seek first my kingdom, keep your eyes on me. 
can. I don't know how it ties in. We're going to sing So Will I. I don't have a pick. Where did my pick go? I guess we'll use that. I don't know. Guys, we're made in the image of God, right? Like all glory belongs to him. That's why we do what we do day in and day out. So it's easy to get distracted about the little things. But he says, keep your eyes fixed on me. You're made in my image. You're made for my glory. The rocks can cry out, so will we. The oceans scream his greatness, right? So will we. So sing this loud with me, will you? I, I, there's like five people in here, six, seven, eight. I, they're not, I need to hear the voices of the people of the church singing with me right now that we will declare his glory. Amen? of creation there at the start or the beginning of time with no point of reference you spoke to the dark and fleshed out the wonder of life As you speak, a hundred billion galaxies are born, in the vapor of your breath the planets born. If the stars were made to worship so alive, I can see your heart. In everything you've made Every burning star A signal fire of grace If creation sings your praises So will I God of your promise don't speak in vain, no syllable empty or void. For once you have spoken, all nature and science follow the sound of your voice. And as you speak, a hundred billion creatures catch your breath, evolving in pursuit of what you said. If it all reveals the nature so alive, I can see your heart in everything you say. Every painted sky, canvas of your So alive, mountains bow in reverence. So alive, the oceans roar your greatness. So alive, for if everything exists with you, I so alive. So alive. If the rocks cry out in silence, so alive. If the sum of all our praises still falls shy, then we'll sing again a hundred billion salvation you chased out my heart through all of my failure and pride 
protector of all who trust in you, without whom nothing is strong, nothing is holy. Increase and multiply upon us your mercy, that with you as our ruler and guide, we may so pass through things temporal, that we lose not the things eternal, through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Well, good morning, church. I'll be honest, it's a whole lot easier to stand up here if I just like physically picture you as I look and see the names of people watching. I picture you sitting in your home. I picture you gathered with your family. And um, I know if your kids are little like mine, sometimes that's not always the picture of church that we imagine. We're trying to keep everyone's attention. We're trying to gather together. We're trying to, to do church the way we normally do it. And can I just tell you, it's okay if your kids are, are in and out of paying attention because they are paying attention so much more than you even know. And it's okay if you bring them in for a minute and they're here for a minute paying attention with you and then they're distracted again. That's, that's okay. That, that's church. We are gathered together, not because this one hour is what does it all, but because this is a part of our toolbox. This is a, a tool. It's a piece of the way we minister to our community. We minister to our family throughout the week. So if your house is like mine, you've probably got like piles of tools different places. Like there's a certain drawer, you know, if I need something, this is the drawer for it. I've got my toolbox. This is where I keep those tools. And um, you put tools in there. You put things in there that are useful. And you want like the best and the right tool in there. So I have a question for you. I need some help this morning. This is group participation. If you had to choose which one was better, I've got a spool of thread here. And I have a rope. And so take just a second. Tell the person sitting next to you, which of these do you think would be better for me to have in my toolbox? Spool of thread or a piece of rope? I'm going to go out on a limb here and say a lot of you saw this rope and immediately thought, that, that's perfect. Look how strong it is. Look how durable it is. I can think of all sorts of things that that rope would be, would be perfect. That rope would be the best choice for your toolbox. But what if I told you that my toolbox is actually designed for sewing and I need to put a button on a shirt? Now this rope looks really great, but no matter which way I try, 
that rope is not going to fit through any one of these holes on this button. This rope will be useless as I try to attach my button to a piece of fabric. So I guess the correct answer is that which of these is better? It depends on what I need it for. It depends on what the problem is. What do I need the tool for? Because the rope would be really great if I need to tie something together and know that it's going to stay. But the thread is going to be just the thing that I need for something fine and intricate like sewing on a button. So this summer, we've been taking this epic journey with the Israelites all through their history. And as we come each week and as we learn, I am just reminded over and over again that God does not want ordinary for us. He has created us to live extraordinary lives through his power. He doesn't want us to just sit here and bide our time and wait for the problems to go away and just hope for everything to be better. He wants us to live extraordinary lives. And he's prepared us. He's gifted us to do that. David shows up on this scene, and Goliath, this giant, is assaulting the Israelite soldiers, saying, send somebody out to fight me. He is mocking their God. David comes up. He's not a soldier. He's actually just there visiting his brothers. And he's the only one that's willing to say, hey, put me in. Like, this isn't, I'm not going to stand for this. Like, God will deliver this giant into my hands. And everybody's looking at him and they're saying, no, 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 we need, we need something big and strong to send out there against Goliath. And all it seems like David is offering is something that they didn't appreciate for what it was. He didn't have a sword. He didn't have a shield. He didn't have armor. He comes with a sling, which they're like, compared to the giant's armor, probably seemed about as useful, about as, mm, as this, as a piece of thread. And so they tried to turn him into rope. They tried to dress him up. But there is no amount of taking this thread that's really going to ever turn it into rope. And that rope is most useful if I don't try to turn it into thread. So David said, no, I trust the gifting and the calling that God has put in my life. And I will fight that giant equipped the way that God has made me. He's made me to be a shepherd boy. He's made me. He's gifted me, talented me to use this sling. So I will be wrongly equipped if I try to wear all this armor, if I try to be someone that I'm not. And so my challenge to you this morning is, are we willing to trust the ways that God has gifted us, that he's going to put us in situations where we are the one who's uniquely gifted? But to trust the way that he's gifted us means we also have to trust that he has gifted us. And can I tell you right now, we sang that song about 8 billion people God created us each individually and uniquely and has gifted us individually and uniquely. So if you look out and think somehow you got skipped, that's just not true. Your gifts may look different than someone else, and that is so beautiful. Because I'm kind of confident that if a soldier had gone out there like that piece of rope trying to fight Goliath in his strength, he would have failed. But David relied and trusted in the way that he was gifted. So this week, I want you, I encourage you to find times to speak into the giftings of other people, especially our kids. Our kids need to hear the ways that we see that God has made them unique, the ways that we see that he's already working in their lives and preparing them and using them. And if you don't have kids around you to speak that into, your friends need to hear that just as much. I can't tell you how valuable, how meaningful it has been in my life, the times that a friend has called out a gifting, a strength of mine that I didn't even see. So if you're sitting here today thinking, you know, everybody seems to have a gift but me, find someone you trust and ask them. Tell them, I'm struggling to see where my gifting is. So if God's telling me I need to use my gifting, can you help me figure it out? Because I don't know what my gifting is. Because hear me today, you have one, and it is beautiful, and our church, our community is better when you use it. So Pastor Paul is going to come today and talk a little bit more about how our gifts make us part of this larger body. But please do not mishear me today and think that in any way the gifting has missed you because you have one.
Well, it's good to be with you, even if we're not uh, live here, but it's good to be with you at least on live streaming once again, and appreciate Pastor Mara and what she shared. I, I believe that's important, it, and it, it's uh, extremely consistent with what we're going to talk about today. That it's, you know, the Holy Spirit works in such a, a unique way in, in services like this, and, and it's always amazing as a pastor to see how the Holy Spirit weaves these things together. And so as we've moved through this, this epic series, we, we've seen that God is inviting us to join His epic journey. And the truth is, the reality is, that oftentimes in life, we choose easier over better. Uh, we, we choose, as Jim Collins says in his book, Good to Great, we choose to be good when God has called us to be great. We choose to live less than epic lives. Uh, we, we choose not to join God's epic adventure because sometimes it's simply easier not to choose. Uh, I've been doing a lot of thinking about our vision statement, and our vision statement is ordinary people following Jesus. And, and I think some people can mishear that vision statement to be, begin to believe that God is calling us to ordinary. But, 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 but I don't believe that's what that vision statement is saying. What that vision statement is saying is God is call, calling ordinary people to following Jesus, which is extraordinary. That, that as we follow Jesus, as we ex- follow His extraordinary example, His holy example, uh, we live these epic lives. And oftentimes it just, it's simply easier to choose to conform rather than transform. In Romans 12, 1 through 2, it talks about how, how God wants to transform us from the inside out. And, and I believe in this transformation, God wants to transform us into the image of Jesus Christ. And in this transformation, allows us to participate in this epic adventure. Too often, we simply conform. We, we allow the world to shape our views, to shape our choices, and, and we choose the easier. It's easier not to serve. It's easier not to give. It's easier not to forgive. It's easier not to listen. It's easier to keep barriers up. And and so over this series, we've been looking at this epic adventure. And in June, we talked about perspective, that, that we need to see our circumstances, other people, ourselves, and our past through God's eyes. That, that as we change our perspective, it changes how we view our world. And this month, in July, we've been talking about action, that God is calling us not just to a change of perspective, but God is calling us to action. And God moves through Spirit-filled people. God moves through individuals who allow the Spirit to transform them from the inside out. And so the question for this month has been, what does this action look like? When, when, when we're spirit-filled and, and God has transformed us from the inside out, what does this action begin to look like? And we talked about Joshua and Jericho, and we saw Joshua was this gung-ho leader that was ready to go, and, and God had to hold Joshua back and say, okay, Joshua, you're going to do it in my way. You're not going to attack. You're going to walk around Jericho and you will see my hand at work. And then we see move through Gideon and, and Gideon is, is not quite as gung ho. As a matter of fact, God finds Gideon hiding in a hole and God puts his thumb in Gideon's back and through Gideon's questions moves him to action. And then last week we talked about David. And this week we're going to talk about David as well, David and Goliath. David is anointed. And, and God sees something in David from the inside. And, and he, he sees something that allows him to move in the life of David in a way that's extraordinary. So Saul, who was the king, looked like a saint, king. But David was different from the inside out. And so God wants our outer actions to match an inner transformation. Now, now the reality is sometimes our outer actions, the things that we do, will shape our inner self. Uh, If you smile, 
Typically, you're not gritting your teeth. If you smile, it means that someone has made you happy and your brain has triggered something and your brain involuntarily contracts the muscles in your face so that you smile. So your face will reflect what you're feeling. Studies show that, that if a person's face is made to smile in some way, it'll change their perspective of life. In other words, these outer actions can begin to transform the inside. And, and so what I would suggest to you is that sometimes God begins to move in our life and he gives us a direction to go. And maybe at the moment God gives the direction, we may not always feel like it. But I believe in our obedience, God can transform the inside through our obedience. Physical actions affect inner transformations. And so when we gather in here next week and we raise our hands, when we sing a song, when we smile at a friend through a mask, God can be transforming us from the inside out by our physical actions. As we close out this month, we're going to look at one more story. Where we're going to basically turn the, the page from last week and talk about the story of David and Goliath. I'm not going to read the story. Most are very familiar with this story. We, we've heard this is one of the earliest uh, stories you tell your kids. Uh, David, of course, is this shepherd boy. He, he's been anointed as king, but he's not king. And, and David goes to see who's, his brothers who are on the front line fighting the Philistines. And when David approaches the front line, he sees this giant Goliath. And Goliath is real big, and he's a, he's a, a champion, he's a warrior, and he, he's trained in hand-to-hand combat. And he calls out these taunts, these challenges to the people of Israel. If you will send a champion, and your champion defeats me, we'll serve you. If I defeat them, you can serve us. And the people of Israel just stand and watch. No one's willing to fight Goliath. Eventually, David arrives on the scene and he hears the threats of the giant. And and even though he's young, and even though he's not imposing, and even though he doesn't have the weapons of Goliath, even though he's not seen as a champion, David realizes that with the Holy Spirit on his side, God's equipping on his side that he can defeat the giant. And so he goes to King Saul and says, I, I, I've killed the lion. It's a pretty big accomplishment. I've killed the bear. And this giant will be like one of those. And so Saul hears the young boy, but Saul doesn't hear the young boy. And so he, he begins to equip him with his equipment. He puts on his shield and gives him his spear and his sword. And it's basically uh, just overcoming David. It's just too much equipment. And, And David says, no, no, I will fight the giant with the weapons that God has given me. Now, about two months ago, we talked about this and we shared on Facebook a TED talk from Malcolm Gladwell on shepherds and on the equipment that David had. And the reality is, David understood how he was equipped better than Saul did. That the sling was the same as a 45 caliber handgun, and it allowed David to fight this battle from afar. He was never going to get to a place where the giant would be able to have an effective ability to combat this young shepherd boy. So David goes out with the sling, that the giant sees him from far off and, and says, do you, do you send a dog to fight me? And David takes a rock from his pouch, puts it in his sling, th- throws it at the giant, and kills him. What we see in this story is David wins the battle with the weapons that he's familiar with. David wins this battle with the training that he's experienced. And so the simple lesson for us is this. We're called to use the gifts God has given us. 
Now, now we see this throughout the passages, throughout the scriptures, that, that God talks about equipping his people. In Romans 12, 4 through 6, it says, For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us to exercise them accordingly. In other words, Paul's saying every member of a church, every member of Marysville Church of the Nazarene has been particularly gifted for the benefit of the body, and the body has been gifted for the benefit of the community. That, that as we gather together, as we come together, we are greater than the sum of our parts because the Spirit has uniquely brought us together to serve our community through the gifts that He has given us. Now, as we've worked through this series, I've often referred to this music analogy that, that God is the conductor and, and we are the orchestra. We are, as Joseph Moore will be familiar in a few weeks, we are the marching band. And God is conducting us. And, and, and we've talked about, last week we talked about playing with expression and emotion. And this week, I'm going to suggest that we play the instrument that God has given us. How would an orchestra or how would a marching band sound if the, the tuba player decided to play the drums? Or, or the clarinet player decided to, to play the tuba? The, the truth is that most musicians have a certain amount of music theory, and they probably could play the notes, and they could probably go through the motions, and there would probably be a sound that may be close or near to what the music demanded. But the truth is, they are not particularly trained for that instrument. And, and to have the extraordinary sound, you need the musicians who are experts on each of those instruments playing their parts. See, oftentimes in the church, we settle for the ordinary. We settle not to use the instruments that God has given us. We choose something lesser. And God is calling us to epic. He's calling us to extraordinary. And extraordinary happens when we all use our gifts together. So here are some questions for you. As you think about the gifting of the Spirit in your life, the, the gifts that God has given you, that the gifts that God has given you through your training, your vocation, your education, your experience, what am I naturally drawn to? When you think about ministry, what, what areas, when you think about serving, what areas are you naturally drawn to? What gives me joy? What areas do I serve in and it just, it lightens my heart, it, it enlivens my spirit? Where do others say I excel? I'll give you a good example. I, I have sang in the church my entire life. No one has ever leaned over to me during congregational singing and said, you know, you really need to sing a solo. As a matter of fact, most of the time they lean over and say, you really need to go outside and sing, okay? So where do others say you excel? What's the Spirit saying? Is the Spirit speaking to you when you hear of a particular ministry? Do, do you, does your Spirit, Spirit within you, natural leap for joy? Where, where do I see a need that I have a passion to fill? The, the truth is, as, as we serve as pastors, we do not see all the needs of the congregation. What we try, you may see a need, and in that need you may have a passion, and God may be calling you to use your gifts in that area. What are my work skills? What are your educational skills? What, what are the, what's the training that you have received? And, and how could you use that in the church? Where does my personality naturally lead me? <laughs> All of our personalities are different. Uh, my, my wife, her personality, she, she can sit on a computer and look at a computer screen and work hours upon hours. I can't sit more than 10 minutes 
And so our personalities are different. And so how we serve must be different. Do I have specialized training? These are questions that you can ask that that can practically lead you to your particular areas of service. So, So what's the role of staff? We're not here as your leadership simply to do the ministry. We are here, we are called to help equip and guide you into your role. As a pastor, if I do not help you and guide you into your role of ministry, to your area of service where the Spirit can use you, I stunt your spiritual growth. I do not allow the Spirit to move in a way that He would like. When I allow you or when I condition you to simply sit on the sidelines and watch, as a pastor, I'm failing. We're called to help equip and guide you into your wall. Here's what the Apostle Paul says about this in Ephesians chapter 4. And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers. For the equipping of the saints, that's you. <laughs> Look at your, your wife, your spouse, your friend in, in, in your house right now and say, you are a saint. Go ahead, tell them. Everybody tell them. You're a saint. For the works of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. There's so much in that passage. And we just talked about this passage in Ecclesia, I guess probably two years ago, this ideal of God wants to equip the saints, the holy ones, for works of service. And it's in that equipping that unity and knowledge and maturity comes. So I sit before you today on live stream and I ask, how can we help? How can we plug you in to ministry? And I understand we live in unusual times, but this too will pass. Uh, And I believe the very near future we will be gathering in more normal ways and there'll be even more ways to serve. How can we help? Email me. Send me a Facebook message. Text me. Any of your staff, Pastor Josh, uh, Pastor Mara, myself, would be pleased to sit down with you and talk about your heart, how God is calling you. Each of you have a part to play. Play that part. Let us pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we give you praise and thanks For your goodness, your mercy, your kindness, your salvation. You have called us. You have set us apart. You have given us your spirit as a pledge. And you've given your spirit to transform us from the inside out. To change our perspective. To change how we see our circumstances. To change how we see others. To change how we see ourselves. You have given your spirit to equip us so that we can share the good news of your inbreaking kingdom. That you are here, that you are present, that we are not alone. And Lord, even in the midst of, of what seems a very difficult time, you are still at work. You're at work in your church. I pray, Lord, that, that even now you will begin to enliven us in a way that we serve you in a greater measure. That when people see our church, they see you. And when they see you, they see the goodness and the grace of the kingdom. Lord, I love you and I praise you. I'm thankful, Lord, that you don't give up on me. That when I fall down, you lift me up. You you give me space to confess and you give me space to reach back towards you and and to regather myself and re-begin the journey with you. So Lord, I pray for those out there that, that maybe feel like it's been just a bad time, that they've lost their focus, their center, 
I pray, Lord, that even now that your spirit will speak to them in such a way that they find their self in you. Now to him who's able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. God bless. Thank you.